and welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about Love 101 Season 2, Episode 7, which was incredible. Maybe like the best episode of TV we've ever watched for this show. I'm just going to put it out there. We can discuss. Um, I'm really excited to talk about it. We're also recording a bit later than usual. So if you hear any snoring, um, tweet at Sophia. That's definitely her fault. <laughs> but we'll try to keep everyone awake. Uh, is anybody drinking anything? Uh, just a Coke, but it's too cold, so I can't drink it. <laughs> oh, I don't have anything. Chamomile tea would be deadly, so don't have any nighttime warm beverages. <laughs> I did have two cups of tea today, but earlier in the day. That's good. That's good. Maybe it'll keep you awake through the podcast. Unlikely. <laughs> As I mentioned before, caffeine has no effect on me unless Sophia needs a hat like that because Sammy you make a comment like that every like five episodes and Sophia's just like nope I'm Colombian so when we uh get to the point where we need to make some merch I think we've got plenty of options yes (laughs) yeah the first one would be is there anyone drinking any tea (laughs) and then no no (laughs) For our listeners, please um, like our podcast, follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Spotify. This is a fairly new feature. So um, try and rate us. That would be super helpful. And also obviously, of course, on iTunes as well. Do we need to record a new ad, Sammy? Are we like, have we, uh, have, has, is our, <laughs> well, no new like, sponsors have reached out. So not does Anchor want a new ad? No. <laughs> <laughs> I so enjoyed making the first one. Our ad wondering. is perfect. It's never changing. <laughs> I'm sure no one ever gets bored of listening to it. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so now Sophia is going to attempt to take us through all of the craziness that happened in this episode. Um, so we start the episode with Kenem and he's getting dressed. Um, but he seems to be really pissed off with the world. And he gets super drunk and like self-destructive drunk like he was at the start of this show um and his dad's just like chilly playing some pool in their house because that's what they have in their house a pool table and he's like serving himself a drink and he's like basically putting down kenem in every way possible he's like are you even intelligent like you're dumb you don't know anything i have nothing to talk to you about because you're so stupid what do your friends talk to you about because you don't know anything about anything blah and he's like, you know, you're being really harsh. And so then he gets his manic look and decides to go to the street to play a basketball game. And then he beats the crap out of the sky. And Sinan, I mean, not Sinan, Osman, for some reason is like there. And he's like, dude, what's going on with you? Like, there's something wrong. He's like, since you broke up with Edda, like things aren't going well. And he's like, yeah, maybe I'm kind of stupid. Like, and that was right like we should really study for this exam but like I hate studying I don't see how I'm gonna do it he's like I'll talk to Edda we'll see so he goes and talks to Edda and like 
she's studying really hard and so he convinces her to do these like recording tapes with everything he's been she's been working on um and i guess he kind of is also like asking her if she's okay um which whatever i guess and he's now changed snacks now he has like some weird dried fruit thing seems like dried cranberries but i couldn't really look at it too much i think they were just raisins Um, my guess was raisins but yeah the first time i saw it i was like those are the tiniest little nuts i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) not as luxurious as uh hazelnuts everyone seems really disappointed when he pours them into their hands yeah (laughs) well yeah hazelnuts are definitely um pretty luxurious snack so then we go to the school and there's a pide truck which is is like weird but then i you remember that nedged like decided to misallocate funds and dedicate them to making his students happy by bringing them pide um so osman like asks the security guard like what's going on i don't understand and he's like yeah nedged it brought this pide and he's like really but like is there anything weird going on and he's like yeah well he told us that our pay is going to be late this month or this yeah i guess this month or for a while i don't know um and he's like, oh, like he just connects the dots in his head. It's like, fuck. Um, so then they like all meet at the school and Sidan is like really fucked up. So Kerem asks him what's going on. And he's like, I don't really want to talk about it. Same with uh, like when Edda asks him, but Edda's like, really, she really wants to talk about the fact that there's Pide again. So then um, Osman pieces it all together and they're all really excited because basically that means that, you know, shit's going to go down for Nijdit. And well, then we see Elif and Osman and they're like having a really nice like little lovey-dovey moment because like obviously she burnt her hands, which we obviously know that she burnt her hands. because But they're fine now. Well, she has the the thing like the bandages, and he's like, "Well, are you gonna play at the recital? It's very soon." And she's like, "Well, I don't think I can because I haven't practiced and my hands are fucked up." And so they like go out on this date to eat kumpir, which are um, stuffed potatoes. Or is there another name for that? Oh, stuffed potatoes. They're like loaded baked potatoes. Yeah. That's essentially what they are. Um, on this very nice stairwell. Or staircase stairs i don't even know what it's called on oh, these nice steps <laughs> and um they're like talking about life and basically he's like trying to tell her that even though her parents are shitty like they mean well and that's what they really like her playing the piano is something that they think is good for her um and basically he says like if you love playing the piano like you need to play for yourself not for your parents um and like they have a very loving moment and he's like you should get better in time for the recital and practice but you need to do it for yourself not for your parents um which i think is like kind of a an aha moment for her (laughs) and so they have their nice lovey-dovey stuff and Edda is still studying very hard Uh, we get a montage of her studying and kenem is like oh and everyone at school is freaking out this the dudes that had like eczema or itchiness still have a lot of itchiness. Um, Kenem is like trying to get out some energy by playing basketball. Um, 
somehow Osman gets Elif into the uh, into the place where she's gonna play. Like I, I didn't even understand what that montage was. Like they're like kissing on the stage or whatever. Um, and so Kenem is playing a lot of basketball, but his neighbors are getting really annoyed because like they hear the ball bouncing all the time. So they tell him to please stop playing basketball all the time. So he decides to go play in the school, which of course is going to be very relevant later on. Um, in the meantime, Edda is recording a ton of cassettes and um, Sinan and Ishik are very happily like studying. And he, and then Kerem comes along and says, you know, like, let's go like around. I got the car. So Elif like sneaks out and she's like excited because like she's been trapped in her house being super grounded for a while. Um, and then we cut rather abruptly to adults. And so Ishik is like very giddily asking Kerem all these questions about like, like what he does and like how he became a big shot and whatever we know that he's a big shot lawyer and he's like yeah you're like a proud mother or whatever and then he's like she's asking him if like he ever got married and why not and um you know very um ishik like questions in my opinion <laughs> and so then we get a montage of like loving and kidding moments because he's like saying that he like either him or Ishik say that like they're like he was worried that he was never going to feel the same so he decided to not fall in love again and then we go to the recital like the parents are super worried slash excited there's these like people from the schools it seems Elif starts playing a lot of drama she like stops all of a sudden and then she remembers Osman's words and she decides to continue playing um, and everyone gets like tears in their eyes from how emotional the performance is. And then we see a next like scene where these like black cars show up to the school and there are these like investigators that are investigating Nedjdet. And they're like, basically, it's very obvious that you've like misallocated funds. So like, I don't know what you're going to come up with. Basically, they tell him that. And Nedjdet like looks out the window and like, comes up with a solution, which is to say that Elif's father was asking for the school to do a ton of stuff, like a piano that was specifically for her and like some classrooms that were specifically for her. And so like the funds had to go to that, but he didn't want to say anything, like not to worry people or like raise any red flags, but like basically that's what happened, which we can discuss in the, in the T section. Cause like, I feel like he did request some of those things or Nedjet like did them just because but like definitely there was a piano that only she could play and so basically Nedjet saved his ass and got Elif's father fired because like he made it look like he was doing corruption like corrupt things and asking for special things for his daughter so Nedjet is a genius <laughs> horrible genius um and so everyone's like obviously super upset because like the plan didn't work out. Ishik is like completely resigned to or resign. She he's resi resignated, resigned, resignated, resign, resigned. Oh, yep. So she's like completely lost all hope, as has everyone, obviously. 
And and if is like super sad because she finds out that her parents are gonna move to Vienna with her, like on top of the fact that I think she didn't want to move to Vienna, they're forcing like her to go with them. And then so Nedjet like goes to give a talk and he's like, I don't even know why, like supposedly for the test, he's like taking away lunch and making people come to school earlier and leave later. Um, but like I feel like it's it's probably because he it, it saves him money for the school, but I don't see how that could save money for the school. But I guess he's like not only money oriented. So he gives this whole speech, whatever, and he like says this dumb quote that according to him, like he says that this like young people, I don't even remember the quote, but basically he like unveils this like banner with his face on it. And like, it seems like it's like, like him trying to make himself look like kind of like an Ataturk kind of figure. I mean, it's, I think, I think it's more like a caricature of like, uh, like Stalin or so, like, you know, an autocrat, uh, like, cause it's like on a red banner and yeah, it looks ridiculous. Oh, cause I thought like in Turkey, there's a ton of red banners with Ataturk's face and like quotes on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, but I think they wouldn't make light of those cause those are yeah. very mainstream. So I think it's more like he's, uh, a, he's like, uh, you know a soviet-esque dictator i thought he was trying to like compare himself to editor and that's why the students think maybe like equally insulting who knows (laughs) but it's autocratic (laughs) yeah i mean i just thought that he like wanted to make himself out to be like this inspiring leader which he obviously is not so the students are laughing in his face um but yeah i i mean you're probably right because like it's probably like it's probably more from that point of view um so Burju is like obviously very frustrated Sinan is like somebody help me please I hate everything but like people can't really read his warning signs which is very sad as we've discussed so he like she goes home she gets a phone call and it's obviously Kemal and he's like what's going on and like they talk about Sinan and she's like, really tell me what I can do for him. And he's like, no, well, we should interfere in our students' lives. So it's fine. And then like, basically they talk about how he, sh- like she tells him that he should come back. And he's like, I'm a step like behind coming back. Just tell me that you want me to come back and I'll come back. So she's like, yeah, come back. And he's like, okay, perfect. So he quits the team and he decides to go back. Um, and he gets a cab and comes to her house and they have a beautiful encounter. They make out. She's wearing the red dress. I guess it cuts to black. And so Sinan goes to, oh, also, I forgot to mention earlier that Kenem saw Paris, the dog, at the at the school. So he, like, probably doesn't know that something's up, but, like, there's been, like, little clues um so he he goes to the vet and the vet's like you know like the dog's gonna get very sick he's gonna die because he brought him in because the tumor's been growing and he's like yeah where i live is probably not good for the dog i'm just gonna leave him here for a few days because i mean my conjecture was that he was gonna abandon abandon the dog but we know what happens later um and basically the vet's like yeah you're gonna have to put put him down um, so Sinan's obviously devastated. He's like drinking and crying all over the city. And he gets back to the school. He's really drunk, like barely hold himself together. And 
I don't even know why he was using a lighter, but he was like playing with his lighter or like or turning on some like a candle or something. Yeah, he I think dropped... he's been using candles for light. Yeah, he drops the the lighter into like a pile of papers and like a fire starts. But he's like drunk passed out. Like he wouldn't wake up. And so then we go to the grown-ups again and they're like having this like kind of wistful look back and they're like you know just like chatting and chatting about Sinan so uh Kenem is like playing basketball he plays basketball listening to tapes because he's been listening to these tapes that Edda made because it seems like he's not he I mean he might have like dyslexia or something but he just doesn't like reading like it's not something that he enjoys at all um so this is like his way and so he starts seeing a bunch of smoke and he goes to call the caretaker I think um, but then he discovers Cena like passed out in this room where like the ceiling is caving in and he just like sees his hand and like takes him out of the building. And once they're sitting outside, he's like, first, like, why are you in the school? Like what's going on with you? And basically he's, he's not able to articulate it literally, like literally, but he basically wanted to like kill himself or like take his life in a certain way. Because, like, nobody knows, but, like, his parents abandoned him, and then his grandpa died, and now the dog is sick. Like, everything is going to shit. And he's like, I don't want to live in a world where Nejdet wins. Like, I that was just, like, the, the last straw. Like, I, I can't deal. And he and Ken was like, he gets really emotional. I like this about the show, like, they actually show men showing a lot of emotion. Um, and he's like, well, you know, like, I'm just... I can be your family. Like, please like ask for help. Like be more open with us. This is like horrible. Um, and he gets like super upset. And then we go back to the adults and uh, Ishik's like, you saved it. Like she's crying. Cause she just is remembering how Kedem saved him. Um, but we don't know the current status of Sinan. We just see a giant, well, not a giant, like a yacht pulling into the Yala. Um, which we don't know what the deal is. And everyone's like, hey, dude, like, what are you doing? But obviously, obviously, it was Osman. Like, come on. Sorry. It was very obvious to me. <laughs> um, so he has this crew of, like, dudes that help him get off the yalla, of the boat onto the yalla. And he's like, hey, guys, how are you? And he's eating. Is it hazelnuts or is it the raisins still? No, it's hazelnuts again. He's back to hazelnuts. Which means Adif is not in the picture. And they're all super excited to see him because I don't think they've been in touch. Um, And then basically they all have hazelnuts and are happy for a moment. So who knows what's in store? (laughs) That's the end of the episode. Sophia trying to make it have a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) He arrived on a yacht, but is he happy? <laughs> well, no, no, the cliffhanger is where is he on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on into our spilling the non-existent tea section. Do you guys want to talk overall about this episode or you want to 
go for a character. I think we should do it by character or maybe like by adults versus young people. But I think, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm just like bewildered. But like we could start with the most obvious thing, which was Osman joining the party and the grownups. What do you think? It was all we expected, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think overall, what my impression is that the show intended to be much darker in season one. And in season two, I think they realized that like what people liked about the show was the relationships between the characters and the fun, happy high school stuff. And so they kind of changed how things were going to end. That's the way I feel. Um, so they've got Osman coming in on his boat. They've got Karem fake out. He wasn't in jail. He's a successful lawyer and mm. Sinan didn't die. He got rescued and like all this stuff, which I love cause I love a happy ending, but, um, I yeah, feel but like that ab- wasn't the original. Yeah. What intention. about like the guy in the, on the farm and yeah, the guy in jail. So that's right. what you're referring right. to. Yeah. And that like one, there was one that wasn't there and yeah. So, right. I mean, they could potentially, like if I were them, but of course it seems like Netflix showrunners have amnesia, but like if I didn't have amnesia and I was writing the show, like, I don't know, <laughs> Osman could have, Osman is a, could be a rich guy that just like rides horses and stuff and is like yeah, on yeah. his, you know, like there's plausible explanations. And like we were saying like Kedam as a lawyer could be in jail. Like if they were to do quick little flashbacks to when each character got the letter in the last episode that would be nice um that would be like just make it super super clean from a loose loose end standpoint but i agree with you even if they don't do that it does not compromise the show for me it's not like the atia lack of villain explanation yeah yeah (laughs) level of you know uh plot hole so but do you guys think that when they made season one they thought, oh yes, all these characters are going to have a happy ending. No, it's it's so few episodes that I do think they probably mapped out the whole storyline. I don't think like I because I, if you think about it, each episode is a third of the length or even a fourth of the length of a full Turkish like network show. So I don't see why they couldn't have mapped out what would this be? Essentially, four episodes <laughs> of a normal show. <laughs> um for the whole two seasons um it will I think we'll know for sure if they like do any kind of a callback to the letter receiving scene in the next episode if they don't then I will I think your theory will have a lot more um backing to it or support for it um from my standpoint anyway but I would I'm optimistic that they thought the whole storyline through because it's really not that much uh, (laughs) if you think about it yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't care from like a continuity standpoint. Like, yeah, you yeah. can explain all of those little clips that we saw in the pilot, um, or you don't have to. I really don't care. It just feels to me like the tenor of the show has changed from season one to season two, from like a yeah. pretty dark show about young people to uh, high school drama in the more like traditional U.S. sense. I guess what was so dark about it compared to this season? I mean, this season has its moments. The first season had really funny moments and some sad moments. I don't really think it's that different. I I do agree with Sammy 
I mean, I understand that it would make sense for them to map everything out because that would be the most logical thing, except maybe they didn't know if they were going to get a second season, especially with COVID and everything. Um, but like, I definitely don't think they could, like they planned to connect the or the, the first flashback with the letters to this flat. Like, it just seems like they've drifted too far apart from that. Like, and that, like now she has to have the same housewife attire, but like her storyline now is that she's a graphic designer in New York. You know, I, I feel like those small details make it to me like she, like they changed some storylines along the way. Cause like, it just made more sense for the characters probably. And I do think it had to do with the tone for the show. Cause they tried to make it really ominous. Like, Oh look, these people are really good friends. And then we know that they're going to have a fight and they're not going to talk for 30 years for whatever And it shook's like, I never celebrated a birthday again. And like, <laughs> you know, all the sorts of crazy foreshadowing from the first season. Yeah, I mean, I, unless I, everything goes terribly wrong in the last episode, but it doesn't feel like that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like it's that tonally different between the two seasons because we've been seeing really, like the Sinan storyline has been extremely dark and sad this season. And mm-hmm. it's like a constant, like his... Like it was clear he was going to attempt to take his life for several episodes. Um, so, and then like in last season, the implication was that he was dead or somehow out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So for me, the whole like Sinan makes me want to cry every time I see him thing is like very much continuous through two seasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I feel like season one show would have had him die. And season two show, he gets rescued and he's fine yeah hopefully i mean who knows what happens in the next episode but hopefully i'm right and it's a happier tone for that yeah i think he'll no there's an adult actor who plays him so he's not gonna i think he'll Mm. be fine (laughs) osman got a lot hotter in the 20 years since high school I think the opposite. I think he looks, really? I mean, I love, I love that actor, the actor who plays like adult him. He's great. But um, yeah, I think he's less attractive. I think Kid Osman is so weird looking. I don't find him attractive at all. And I feel like he he's the one that has the most similar energy. Mm-hmm. This the uh, adult Osman is uh, one of the agents in Call My Manager, like the Ooh. Turkish one. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's talk about uh, Kerem. How do you he guys- needs, He needs to beat his dad up. Oh That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to take his rage out on his the source of his rage, which is I'm shocked dad. that there's no like domestic violence in that household in either direction. Right. <laughs> it's like very surprising. Um, what is your guys' opinion on listening to something as studying? I mean, some people are are auditory learners. I'm definitely yeah. not one of them. Me neither. That I would Me zone neither. out so quick. <laughs> yeah, I gone. can't even listen. I can't even listen to like uh, as someone who's currently recording a podcast. I can't even listen to podcasts because I like immediately. <laughs> yeah, space out. Unless I'm I like use- washing dishes or like driving or something. Uh-huh. It's different then. But if yeah. I'm like just at my desk, like I am so not gonna hear what's being said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even listening to you guys right now. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just riffing off, my, off of my own thoughts. Yeah, it, it happens to me. Like I, I put a podcast on today to walk, but it's kind of just to put like some white noise and, you know, 
some filler because I usually do get unfocused like it would have to be like on a plane or something for me to actually Mm -hmm. pay real attention like a true captive (laughs) audience yeah you can't move from your seat (laughs) that's why like I think um like remote learning was so difficult for me like I just spaced out after like yeah I would have to make the zoom thing my only screen it would have to be huge Mm -hmm. yep yeah I I really need to read it listening does not do it for me but I think you're right uh I think I don't know if it was you Sophie or Sammy who said the that can I may just you know either just prefer auditory learning or you know a lot of kids who have dyslexia or other learning like mild learning disabilities are also frustrated at school and he has a lot of anger Mm, that's a good point yeah so no one ever got his like parents certainly weren't taking him to get him oh, tested yeah. yeah no they were just calling him stupid and verbally abusing him right <laughs> he is so heroic in this episode yeah I mean it was a great arc incredible like from season one to now like he's really come through as one of the most likable people in the gang and yeah. so proud of him He's a hero. He's like so loyal to everyone too. Like he, mm-hmm. like he's like one of the first people who wants them to do something about like Ushuk getting expelled, and um, obviously his love for Edda is like n- next level. But like, yeah, even you know, even with his bros, he's like very, very loyal. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I I really like him, but I have to say that I also really liked Osman in this episode. Like. I think he was kind of like the voice of reason and like mm-hmm. the child, the psychologist for everyone on this show. Yeah, he like got between- he got Edith to actually do the recital, and he was so cute and like emotional during the recital. Yeah, yeah, he- I still don't care about them at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I care about what happened to her, like what happened to their relationship. Um, him eating hazelnuts is definitely not good foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good foreshadowing. It's just not foreshadowing a good outcome, I should say. <laughs> I mean, they, they were about to go to Vienna, so maybe that that was that. <laughs> but uh, luckily, her hands were completely fine. So uh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it would have been worse for her hands if she had, like, stuck it in the pot. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe just getting the palms they were there for a while like I feel like that would not just be a surface skin problem but who knows it's good that she's not (laughs) mutilated for life it's definitely a good thing um and yes Osman does give her very sound advice in this episode although the fact that her parents are going to Vienna with her means oh my god maybe it wasn't a good call to do the recital I can't believe that they're but also like this is gonna be gonna be a dumb question but like okay the guy lost his job so now they're gonna move to Vienna which is more expensive because it's Europe right and also like who's gonna like just let them move to Vienna like it's not I don't know it's like not a state in the U.S. yeah yeah (laughs) do they speak German how are they keep how are they gonna pay for her school yeah I don't know. I don't there were know. already enough Turks there at that point for them to like not speak German, but <laughs> I don't know about like like how you get a visa and stuff like that. It seems like it wouldn't be that easy for them to just like collectively relocate. Like she would have a student visa of some kind, sure, but 
yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about uh, Elif's dad getting fired. That was incredible. As you said, Sophia, genius from Nedjdet. was unbelievable. How did he pull that off? But I don't understand how he keeps getting away with it if Suzanne made him sign a letter. He had all those bureaucrats eating out of his hand and feeling sorry for him. Well, and I think I think Suzanne, like, like she still could have said something. She could have yeah, said yeah, that, yeah. you know, but she was she was kind of dumb. I mean, she's dumb also, but she was like also dumbstruck by <laughs> yeah, she was like she was the amazed, depth of so that like, lie. We were yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> Oh, she's not going to say anything unless, no. like, we'll see what Nedjdet does to her, and then she will say something. Because she did make a face, like, I'm going to say something. Yeah. She's definitely, she's definitely, I think she's looking for a way out, like, to save herself. Because obviously, being that closely associated with him, you're going down at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, hopefully, Kemal and Borju can fix the situation somehow. We will see. I also, like, this was a weird, like, Burju has been so passive with the kids these past few episodes. Like, now they dominate her. And then, secondly, I noticed that she has never had an interaction with Elif, which is weird. Yeah, I think she's, like, bonded to the kids who she's had for a while. And Elif is a new kid, and I don't, she doesn't care at this she's point. She's, like, barely in school, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. She's never in school. The Kemal Bourdieu thing made me so happy. I was like tearing up a little bit. I was so glad that they were back together. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, I'm just worried that they're going to become annoying once they're in the same city again. <laughs> I mean, there's only one episode left. I'm pretty sure we're getting happily ever after for them. Or yeah. we better. <laughs> is, is the show going to end after this season? Yeah, yeah, this is definitely it. Yeah, that's why um, I'm saying they and they like knew from the. I'm pretty sure they knew from the beginning that it was going to be two seasons, eight episodes each. That's why I'm like skeptical that they didn't know where the story was going to go mm. last season. This is like what Turkish production companies would like to be able to do, like keep the storyline tight, short. But because when a show gets popular on the networks. The, the networks try to make them stretch it out as long as possible, sell as many ads as possible. So you get like each season having more than 30 episodes and each episode's like two and a half hours and they run out of stories to write <laughs> for the script because it's too damn long. But on Netflix, you can have 40 minutes, 16 episodes. It's like perfect. Mm -hmm. Do we need to say anything else about Sinan or are we ready to move on I think we're good yeah we're like trying to not revisit that whole thing <laughs> yeah that was yeah hard. it was horrible um I do feel like there's it's it's definitely a problem for me that he endangered other people yeah. with his depressive Wait, so, so the episode. fire was on purpose or was it just drunk yeah yeah no no, no. it was on purpose because he like it was on purpose he gave paris to the vet for a few days which for me i was like he's gonna kill himself like yeah, you know, that's just, right. yeah. and then yeah and then like he knew he was he had that lighter and he got drunk so he would like not have the inhibitions mm. um to prevent himself from doing it 
so it was I don't know I don't know how I feel about like like obviously suicide is like a thing that happens and it, you know it will naturally factor into some stories but I always wonder about like content warnings mm-hmm. you know it's it's very yeah. same with like the same with the like assault scene in ATM like Maybe yeah. there should have just been like a little note at the start. Like you don't have to, and it wouldn't necessarily be a spoiler. It would just like, you know, so if someone needed to excuse themselves or watch something else, they could. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it was very like all the, I think all he's uniquely miserable, you know, like everything's going awful in his life, but like, there's plenty of like snippets of his awful circumstances that viewers could relate to and mm-hmm. be upset about like from their own lives so it could be triggering but also um going to your planning point i think they foreshadowed this in the pilot because remember oh, yeah. in the first episode they set fire to like the speaker at the like debate tournament oh i think it was sinan but i don't know it was like sinan's alcohol at least that stoked the mm. fire yeah you're right and yeah but I mean, they definitely foreshadowed the suicide throughout the first season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm still, like, I still think that, you know, there are too many loose ends for it to be just a two-season short show, like, for it to have been mm-hmm. thoroughly planned. But that's just Also, me. I just want to say, I've been saying fire hazard for that warehouse for, like, you the have. past six episodes. You have. <laughs> and, uh Yeah. Fire hazard. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to move on into the history section where we are going to be talking about several short things, which should be fun, mixing it up. We are going to be talking about uh, St. Bernard's. Uh, the Camondo Stairs in Beolu and Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. Two by Franz Liszt and Kumpir and Kumpir. <laughs> <laughs> so brace yourselves for an exciting, fast-paced history section. <laughs> Should we go in order? Maybe like, is the Kumpir the first thing we see, or do we? See- yeah, let's go Kumpir. Okay, I'll do Kumpir then the stairs and then hand it okay. over to you. <laughs> okay, so Kumpir, as as we mentioned in the um, recap, is a form of loaded baked potato. It's uniquely Turkish, though. It's um, a Turkish street food that's not only extremely popular in Turkey, but also across Europe. Like when I lived in Krakow, Poland, there were Kumpir stands and I'm I promise you the owners were Polish and they had no idea that it was like a Turkish street food they were selling. It's just become like very ubiquitous. Um, I think, I mean, 100% thanks to Turkish uh, immigration to Germany and then other parts of Europe from there um, in the 1960s, 1950s and 60s onward. Kumpir is, so you, you start making it like a baked potato, like wrap it in foil, put it in the oven, all that. Once the potato is out of the oven, though, the trick is to whip the inside of the potato with butter. So you make it all soft and creamy, like before you add the toppings. So the potato itself becomes really soft and creamy when you whip it with butter. And then you add 
like garlic and uh, cheese, whatever, like yogurt, whatever you feel like adding <laughs> onto it. Um, and it's very, very heavy in terms of like lots of butter and things, but it's Yum. very tasty. Yeah, it's great street food because it absorbs whatever you are doing <laughs> out in the <laughs> out at night on the streets. Um, it, it absorbs those liquids very effectively. Um, and or or if you're just a couple of innocent high schoolers, you can you know grab it from a stand and just eat it on a very scenic picturesque staircase, which is my segue. <laughs> what the, a segue. Good I job. Know. <laughs> my se- I don't know how you're going to pull off like the stairs to Ra- Hungarian Rhapsody number two or St. <laughs> Bernard's. So I'm awaiting that well, they, segue. There's something to do with uh, Aust- Hungary, Austria. Yeah. Austria-Hungary. There uh, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, exactly. So the stairs uh, are called that that uh, Osman and Edif are eating their kumpiran are called the commando stairs, commando stairs, I guess, with the Turkish pronunciation. Um, they are th- there aren't like other. There's plenty of other staircases in Galata, so linking the Karaköy district to uh, the you know upper part of Beyoğlu, like near. Taksim and Istiklal. There are plenty of staircases like that just because there's big big ass hills. It's, a, it's on a big ass hill. Um, but these specific steps are iconic. There's there because of the shape. Um, they're kind of hexagonal in shape, uh, very curved. And the name Komondo is that of a prominent Sephardic Jewish family that established themselves in Galata in that district. In 1798, they were the prime, the primary financiers of the Ottoman Empire until the Imperial Ottoman Bank was founded in 1863. So they had like the better part of a century to basically be the bank <laughs> for the banking family for wow. the Ottoman Empire. They have also a very uh, picturesque yellow in, um, let me try to remember where it was. I think it was also... It, thereabouts in, in in on the shores of Karaköy or or nearby they they have a, a yellow that they uh lived in at the time and still there now it's used by the navy actually the turkish navy but the stairs are obviously more accessible than a mansion currently run by a branch of the armed forces in turkey um, the stairs are taken by people every day they were uh built the legend goes, and, and Osman was telling the legend a little bit while they were eating kumpir, for um, one of the descendants of the original Komondo patriarch, one of his descendants wanted to the his children to safely get to school um, up and down that treacherous hill. And so the shape is to minimize how far the kids would fall if they were to slip. Uh, while stepping down the stairs so if they if they they couldn't fall like all the way down the stairs because of the shape they would eventually hit one of the sides and stop it would break their fall um and it's it's obvious that you know the the, the family was living on uh banka which is like bank street in karakuk and so the and the school was there's like the austrian high school uh, the um german high school those are all up on the hill in Beol, so the 
clearly the kids were going to one or one of those and then coming back down to go home at the end of the day. So yeah, they're a very, very Insta-friendly set of stairs with an interesting <laughs> story. All, tragically, uh, the Komondo family does not exist anymore. They were all killed in World War II. Um, I guess the part that um, it, it sounds like the Istanbul branch you know, left the city at some point and then before World War II and the rest were in Europe and unfortunately were killed in the Holocaust. Um, so that's a downer and very sad and <laughs> awful, but the stairs and the mansion are there uh, forever bearing their name. Um, and I, and the stairs are definitely one of the icons of the Veolo district. So over to you, Sammy. That's a really cool story. I never knew that. And I've walked up and down those stairs a lot yeah. of times. So yeah. I like that. Okay, up to the Austrian school and over to Hungary, where we'll be talking about the Hungarian Rhapsody number no. two, um, which is one of 19 Hungarian Rhapsodies composed by Franz Liszt, but by far the most famous. He was Hungarian himself and was very influenced, as many of the Hungarian composers were, by Romani music and Hungarian folk music. And this concerto was published as a piano solo and then later orchestrated. It was composed in 1847 and it was turned into an orchestra piece in uh, 1857. So while the composer was alive, the piano uh, solo is very famous because it's really catchy and fun to listen to and hard to play, but also because there is, and I just learned this word, a cadenza, uh, a suggestion of a cadenza within it, which is actually an uh, opportunity for the pianist to improvise. And not a lot of pianists do it when they play the solo, but I would assume that that's a pretty fun way to show off your skills if you're trying to get recruited to a school, um, because improvisation is very hard and something that classical musicians don't really practice a lot. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. You've definitely heard this before it's apparently used in a ton of cartoons which is pretty funny it's in tom and jerry mickey mouse daffy duck and also a bunch of movies as well hmm. and yeah i think elif picked a, a good one it looks super hard the uh tiny piece of sheet music that they have on wikipedia so i have a question so she starts off playing hungarian rhapsody number two is the really like passionate playing that she does is that still Hungarian Rhapsody number two or is that a different piece I think it's still yeah same oh, piece. okay okay because yeah. I wasn't sure in the in the subtitles I thought it was showing a different title but oh I, maybe I it is wasn't, I wasn't like 100% staring at the subtitles I just it like caught my eye for a second but I could have read it wrong um, um, it certainly could be but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was all one piece because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of different sections yeah 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 that's true but at the same time, a recital has to be really long. So <laughs> who knows? Okay. And from Hungary, we are moving over to Italy and Switzerland. Uh, no good way to make that transition, but here, here we go. Uh, we're going to be talking about the St. Bernard dog. St. Bernard dogs are from the Great St. Bernard Pass, which is the third highest road pass in Switzerland at an elevation of 2,500 meters or 8,000 feet. Um, it goes from uh, Switzerland to Italy, Italy to Switzerland. 
and it was like pretty well traveled going back to antiquity so in the year uh 1050 or 1050 ce a monk named bernard of menthon established a hospice to aid pilgrims journeying to rome at this pass uh, I think because so many people were failing to get through it because it seems like a pretty inhospitable place um, with snowdrifts as high as 40 feet tall. And the um, monks that worked at the hospice developed this breed of dog called the St. Bernard that would rescue, sniff out and rescue travelers that got buried by drifts and avalanches. The legend is that they would carry a little bottle of brandy around their neck. Apparently this is a myth, but I'd like to pretend that it's still true. <laughs> um, St. Bernard dogs, the male's height at the uh, withers is 28 to 30 inches, and they weigh 140 to 180 pounds, so they're a very large dog. Their life expectancy is 8 to 10 years, so pretty short life expectancy, which is common in larger breed dogs. The ancient uh, heroic St. Bernard that rescued so many people actually is pretty different to the one we see today because in the um, in 1816 to 1818, there were a ton of avalanches that actually decreased the St. Bernard population below a sustainable level and they had to outcross them with Newfoundlands um, in order to keep the breed alive. So the breed changed a lot. Um, that's what added the longer hair and actually that's not useful in going into the snow because it's not waterproof so the short hair St. Bernard's are the ones that could still potentially be used for working but the long hair St. Bernard's like Paris are really just um, for companionship. Mm, like Beethoven. Like Beethoven. <laughs> yes they have very good sweet calm personalities and they're often referred to as nanny dogs Oh, which oh, Sinan needs a nanny dog. Wasn't the nanny dog in uh, Peter Pan, like the cartoon also? Yes, it was a St. Bernard, yeah. What was, what was her name? Like Nana or something? I think her name was Nana, yeah, let's see. Oh, Peter so Pan dog. Even so. animated St. Bernards are cute. Yeah, Nana. Oh. <laughs> and now we're going to deep dive Peter Pan. No, <laughs> <laughs> no our, our whirlwind across... Uh, Europe is over now. We could have gone to London, Sammy, and then to Never Neverland. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to do that at some point. So now we're going to move on into our favorite and final section, which is WTF, Sultan of Success, and uh, Fatima's hit list. Uh-oh. So WTF, what do you guys got? I don't really have any. Like, I, I was, I mean, obviously, like, Nisha's audacity <laughs> and lies. <laughs> um, and then Kedam's dad was a dick, but Ugh. I didn't really... Like I, there weren't like moments where I was like, like I, I like the W like the WTFs that I would truly consider like pure WTFs are like someone's outfit or like some mm -hmm. like out of place plot point or or event that makes no sense. I didn't really see any of those this episode. So I have one. 
that we already discussed, which is how fast her hands healed. It is. So. Oh, yes. yeah, fair. That's fair. I have that yep. for sure. Yep. Um, but other than that, and other than that being so so freaking short-sighted that makes no sense. Like, how is he a 60-year-old man or however old he is? Like, dude, <laughs> how can you prioritize like being popular with your students over paying your staff? A and B. <laughs> Like, in what That's world insane. can you not foresee that you're going to be short on cash that you're not going to be able to get any other way yeah. except maybe now he can get it because he said it was because fraud and like maybe he'll get mm-hmm. it back wild i have what the fuck to hitting a heavy bag with just your wraps on so as someone who has used a heavy bag if you hit it with your hands or with just wraps on or even with MMA gloves on, it really hurts and it'll cut up your skin and it makes your hands tingle and everything. So bad, don't do it. Use boxing gloves. That's what they're for. They distribute the impact. I don't think that Kenem would be wailing away on that bag with his bare hands. I mean, maybe he would because he's kind of a masochist. I think he was just hitting it really softly for like- No, they showed it like swinging around. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Don't do it, guys. It looks oh, cool, why? but don't do it. Oh, that's why. Because it looks cool. Okay, and then my other what the fuck is Kerem's house like is supposed to be like, <laughs> like this fancy rich family's house, and he comes down the stairs and there's like a pool table in the living room. Like I just don't, I don't, I don't what, see that. Was it the living room? I thought it was like a game room. Yeah, I don't. I it was like a bar pool. off to the side. Yeah. I agree with Izgi. Okay. You're just not, I think, richer, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> I do this. Okay, fine. I'll give it to you. But I just feel like they're trying to make him, like, look like the Sopranos, this dad. And, like, yeah, it's so he definitely, odd. I mean, definitely. Since season one, he's had, like, mobster vibes. And yeah, really for sure. I'm not sure what to do with it. Yeah. Just playing pool alone in his house. Yeah. <laughs> mobster vibes. <laughs> okay. Sultan and success. I mean, I, I think know. we're all gonna agree yeah it has to be Kadem because he's literally a I hero actually who I actually Seattle's don't agree <gasps> I actually don't agree no I'm kidding I do agree. But my, <laughs> my um my sort of related sultan of success like sultan of success junior is mm-hmm. the grumpy balcony man who told Kadem to not play basketball at night on the court which then yes! led Kadem to be in That's a school. good one. Vizier of success. <laughs> yes, <Vizier>. company man. <laughs> yes. But no, actual Sultan is definitely Kedem. I also, I definitely believe it's Kedem. I want to shout out um, our friendly security guard. Oh, yeah. Because he literally unveiled the entire plot to Osman. Like, I wonder what he's doing with that money. Oh, look, the pibe is back. <laughs> yes. That's true. So he was an MVP this episode also. <laughs> Fatma's hit list. Toss up I mean, between Nijda and Kiram's dad. Yeah. yeah. We can they can they can both die. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would go Nejda because Kiram is self-possessed enough to know that his right. dad is a horrible monster, which like congrats to him for being in high school and being mm-hmm. fine with that. But maybe still also Sinan's parents. <laughs> yeah. Continuous, continuous. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, the vet kind of just like keeps putting the like finger in the wound. She's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, well, you're gonna have to put him down." Yeah, but remember, you're gonna have to put him down. 
I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's bad. <laughs> you have to, you have to keep, it's a really difficult thing and you have to tell people that, mm-hmm. that that's realistically the best thing to do. Um, so I, I, I received similar blunt feedback from my vet. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Yikes. I hope Sinan gets adopted by Kamal and Borju in the next episode. Oh, just going to put that out there into the universe. He's just like in real life, like several months older than Buju, which is really weird. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's got so much more shit together than him. It's not even about yes. age. It's just like he needs to be adopted. I don't care if it's by a five year old. The five year old will take care of him better than he's been doing. It's true. Paris was taking <laughs> care of him until Paris got sick. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you all so much for listening. We are so excited to talk next time about the series finale, season two, episode eight. Congratulations to our Sultan of Success, Kadem, who literally saved a human life this episode by running into fire, which is wild. Go him. And um, watch out to Nejdet, our Fatma's hit list champion over the course of the series. We really hope you get what's coming to you next episode. Thank you again for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time.